There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sheila Shoya, and welcome to Ready to be Real Conversations, the podcast series where I chat to people of all walks of life. Some names you'll recognise, others you might not, but my hope is that these conversations will at times inspire, challenge, educate, comfort, or simply entertain you. In this episode, I speak to the owner and founder of 2210 Patisserie, Una Leonard. Nobody knew, nobody... I never spoke to anybody about it. I just kind of, I got up. I still went to work every day. I went to college every day. I went and played my camogie. I had a big smile on my face. And I continued to do what I wanted to do every day. Like, my life was so normal from the outside. Like, so normal. Like, even when I tell people about it now or I talk about it now, they're like, what? No way. That Not you. Like, no way. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, we just thought you lost a bit of weight. Like, we, you never even thought of that you were going through all of that. Una runs a very successful bakery business and has a gorgeous, upbeat personality that at one point hit a deep unhappiness. In this conversation, we get a beautiful insight into her relationship with her mam, the bond she also had with her granny, fondly known as Doty, and how baking and opening up her bakery ultimately became her saviour. I learned so much from listening to her about the power of words can have on children in particular, and how our attitude to food can impact those around us. It's an extremely challenging listen at times as we don't shy away from the reality of her experience of attempted suicide. So please check the show notes before you play it as it's important to be aware in advance. This is Una speaking her truth and it's powerful. So first up, congratulations on your massively successful shop and online business, which is also equally huge. 
of 2210 Patisserie. Did I pronounce it right? Yes, you did. <laughs> Actually, first up, tell us how you got the name or it got the name. Okay, so um, I was coming up with a name and I didn't want something to put my name to it. And I made my first cakes for my little nephew, Connor. And he was born on the 2nd of the 2nd, 2010. Aww. So I used his date of birth as the name. Cuteness. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. Oh, and he loves it as well. He goes around telling everyone. <laughs> He's every teacher in the school told. Oh. There's a bakery named after me. <laughs> That's awful cute. And yeah. come here, you have been in business for seven years now. Seven years now, yeah. Is it seven? I, I've lost count. <laughs> yeah. But in recent years, probably in the past two-ish, three. Yeah. You've yeah. been flying it. Yeah, yeah. COVID was a massive help for us. Like, so was it? When we moved online and really pushed ourselves there. So yeah, we got a lot of exposure then. And then of course, having high profile people, you know, say that your cakes are gorgeous. And that's a huge help too, because yeah. you've made cakes, I know, for Pip O'Connor. You did Maeve Madden's wedding cake. Yeah. I mean, that's massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was literally massive. Was it? It was, <laughs> what are we talking? How many, how many hours of work went oh, into it? T- like on average, like if I was going to set up a wedding cake, it might take me 45 minutes to an hour to set up. This one took me about six hours to set up. <laughs> right. What are we talking? And a ladder. To set okay, so it's like scaffolding around the Li- thing. Like it was literally like building a house. <laughs> it took me so long just to even get the, everything into our dairy manner and then actually to start putting it together and then putting all the flowers on it and everything but it was phenomenal it was class it was so really it's individual good. cakes that just basically stack on top of each other stack on top of each other yeah 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 wow yeah. so it was like seven seven tiers of individual cakes and then there was like hand sculpted the names on the front of it yeah Wait, who was the first high profile person that ordered a cake from you actually i think it was pippa so um i or somebody, some company, oh, I actually think it was Berlin Coffee who had ordered a box of cupcakes um, to bring up to them randomly in their new offices that they'd set up. Yeah. And they brought up the cupcakes. Um, that was fine. It was it was grand at the time. And then like two days later, I got a message off Pippa and she was like, so we had your cupcakes the other day. Is there any way you do a, a cake for me? And I was like, yeah, of course I will. <laughs> no problem at all. So it was literally just they had cupcakes and then then it kind of snowballed from there. And then I've done all of their cakes since. So. Yeah. And I love being part of people's celebrations like that. It's really nice. So yeah. yeah. Fabulous. Fabulous. Okay. Let's, let's learn a little bit more about you because I've been following you for some time and drooling over your cakes, but I didn't really know anything other than you are, you've got a, such a, a gorgeous, sparkling personality whenever I see you on stories and you love to bake and you're good at it, but I didn't really know anything else. So as a teenager, a lot of us have memories of being insecure and awkward because it's it's not an easy time for anyone it's challenging being a teenager but for you it was particularly tricky yeah so like when I was in secondary school I probably um struggled really bad with how I looked and how I felt in my own body I wasn't very secure at all um I didn't like eating around people which I actually the more I think about this I think this came from even younger years like when my granny used to live with us and we used to go down to her house. Mam never had any sweet things in our house. Um, so we used to go down to Granny's and she'd give us treats and we used to hide the treats from Mam and Dad and not show them that we were oh, eating yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. So then when I got into secondary school and I was struggling with eating on front, I used to struggle really badly with eating on front of people because I'd be worried about what they taught and what they were thinking. And in my head, I'd be like, if I was eating on somebody, I'd be taking a bite out of like a slice of toast in the morning. I'd be like, 
everybody's looking at me going, oh, look, the fat one is eating. But I, I was never that big or I was never that fat or anything like that. But it's just, it was your just inner that, voice. It, your, your inner the, the voice. The inner critic. Was, yeah, it was t- saying that to me all of wow. the time. Yeah. So it just, like I used to swear, I just, I was so uncomfortable eating in front of people. I could, I can't even describe it. Like it was so uncomfortable for me. So then it just got to a stage where I would stop eating. I stopped eating until one of my uh, t- lovely teachers actually noticed that I had stopped eating and she used to pull me back at, for 10 minutes of our big lunch and she would allow me that like area and that space with her to eat comfortably for okay. 10 minutes and actually have lunch. And, did and you, were you able to eat then? I was able to eat just one on one with her. Yeah, no problem. But the days that she wasn't in or the days that she didn't hold me back or she had lunch break, she was on duty. I won't eat at all. Oh no, wow. Yeah, but I was also very conscious of like the smells of food and like my sisters used to bring tuna and bring everything I'd be like oh, god no I couldn't bring that in because that would like attract attention to me like what's in my lunchbox so even if I was to bring food in it would be like maybe a few like rice cakes or crackers or an apple I'd like I'd have to look like I'm eating healthy I couldn't eat anything bad in front of people and at home what, was that also the same like that you didn't feel comfortable eating in front of your family oh god no 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 it was always snap whoever can get as much food as possible you're like, grand at yeah, home grand at home isn't no that interesting right yeah. so it was only outside of your your safety of the home environment yeah. that this kind of manifested yeah yeah and it was wrapped up in in just i suppose deep teenage insecurity insecurity you had this idea of yourself where you looked in the mirror you saw something different to what everybody else saw obviously. oh completely oh without a doubt yeah i definitely did but then it, it that would have always been triggered from like small comments that would have been said over the years even from primary school and early years in secondary school like i definitely was called fat on a number of occasions and i was only thinking about this on the way up here and i was like i remember so well being called a fat so-and-so but I can't remember the days that I got my A's or the days that we won like games or we don't but yeah. I remember I, I can even negative. see the person I can see the boy that called it I can see, there was three or four of them and I remember I can see it I can remember where it happened I can tell you the ins and outs of it but that all stuck with me but the days that something positive happened didn't really stick with me so I presume like they're all the earlier days like that that sticks with you and then when you move on I think that's probably where my food and the paranoia grows. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, words are so powerful, aren't so they? So powerful. What and we like, say to young people, what we say to kids, oh, sticks, sticks. I like. It's so dangerous. So dangerous. What we say. Yeah, it is, and it's something that we all need to be. Whether we have kids or not, it's something because we all interact with kids at some point. Yeah. To be to be aware of the language we're using, even if it's used innocently, we really have to think: How is this going to impact that young person? Yeah, of course. And what you're saying. Yeah, and even through humour we use it, but... Yeah, you, and it's a very Irish thing, isn't it? Such an Irish thing to do, such an Irish thing. Yeah, when I was younger, mum was going to kill me for saying this. <laughs> I remember she called me fat. <laughs> she, she didn't, she's, she said it in a, a humorous way. She was like, um, oh, it must have been an apple tart or something she had out. And I went to take my second or maybe third slice. And she was like, Jesus, you can't be eating that, you'll get fat. Like, just a joke. I get you. A, a joke, Lucas, like, no, I know, and we're not demonising your lovely ma'am. It's, 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 you know she's what? She's this. I, didn't, I didn't eat at home I did not eat I went and strike did not eat for four or five days just every time she said to me oh, no, will you please just sit down and eat your dinner I was like no because you called me fat okay. and I just yeah. went and strike but little did she know she was ringing my neighbour and melted down the road and I was going down having my dinner with her every day <laughs> <laughs> she only told me that a couple of years later that they actually knew that I was still eating <laughs> 
I'll show her I'll I show know, her Oh, well, that's pure stubbornness now yeah yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> but it is it's a good point because you know we, we, we often say things about kids whether they're they're tall or short whether they're eating or not and it might be said innocently but that's is that good enough maybe not maybe we need to do our homework because oh, we don't ha- know how that's going to impact them in years to come mm-hmm. and as you said stuff that was said to you pre-teens starts to manifest in your teenage years as oh, I can't do this yeah. I can't eat around other people so at school and thank- thankfully that teacher noticed how bad did it get? Um, so I'd say in sixth year it got to its worst where I was not eating at all I wouldn't eat during the day so um, I struggled actually to eat breakfast as well like mom used to um, she was very strict on what we ate as in everything was always like wholesome and it was her own homemade brown bread and it was always a dinner when we come home from school she was really really good with us but I would have struggled to eat anything I'd be kind of like no I don't want it I don't want it I'm pushing it away always pushing it away but when I come home there was always a dinner but I'd, be, I'd start getting a little bit picky about what I wanted to eat and what I didn't want to eat and were um, they noticing it at home? Mam was definitely noticing it because mm. she had so much control on what we ate anyway because she was making everything she met our lunches god we feel, I feel like we sound like we're spoiled but mom actually met our lunches up until her sixth we were in sixth year like she used to get up before us rise and shine everybody off get all the lunches ready and get them yeah, out and yeah, so yeah. it was still like we were primary school <laughs> and she always had a dinner ready for us all always every evening when we come home from school yeah um, but I did see myself pushing that away pushing that aside like a lot so, I mean, it was a full-blown eating disorder. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was just when, by the time I got into, and I, I transitioned into um, college, that's when the anorexia and the bulimia really started. Okay. Yeah. So what was a typical day like for you? In secondary school? Well, you're saying sixth year, and then kind of after that you go into college, and yeah. this is when, you, as you said it yourself, that you're anorexic and bulimic. Yeah, so like my typical day will be like around food. I would probably not eat much up until about two o'clock, um, one or two o'clock, and I would try and eat something small then. I would live on like maybe a coffee beforehand, but it was it was all taught it was all in my head so it was always me telling myself I didn't need anything I'm not hungry or I'd survive on that empty feeling I actually used to love that empty feeling that feeling of feeling like um, you had nothing inside you and you felt light I, I don't know how to describe that if somebody has never went through it but it was a really good feeling it was really nice and you felt good so you were kind of getting a dopamine hit probably yeah. Oh, yeah. from that yeah 100% yeah yeah and then it was the transition and then into college when you didn't like I knew I had the security of every evening when I come home there was a meal sitting there waiting for me and ready for me but when I went into college that wasn't there so I had the choice whether I wanted or not and more than likely I didn't want it because you went to college in Galway I went to college in Galway yeah so you were living in Galway living in Galway yeah so you had full full now full control over what it went into your body or not as yeah. the case may be yeah full control but absolutely no control whatsoever because I had yeah, lost control at that stage yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. and I, the funny thing is like I was studying culinary arts I was studying culinary mm. arts and business so I was in the kitchens and like we were we were like tasting food all of the time we were learning about food we were learning about flavours we were like yeah, we were around food all of the time and I loved that I loved that like once you put me into a kitchen I'm absorbing all of that but just for me like personally I just didn't want to be or eat any of the food and did you have to as part of your training yeah I did of course I had to eat some I had to taste obviously some dishes but that, I suppose that's where the bulimia came in like I was, okay. I was always straight out and I had it down to a tea I knew exactly how many cups of water I'd have to drink and if I waited 16 minutes after having a meal that it would come out 
like quicker than it would if I waited five or ten minutes it'd be too hard to get up like I had it to a T like Whoa. yeah and nobody knew nobody knew at that time because I was on the go so much I was working in restaurants I was in college I was getting home to play camogie I was my nephew was young at the time so it was every like you're all over the place you're literally just trying to like tap into all of these different worlds that you have like to try and see everybody so you might only I might only seen mom like maybe for two hours a week because I was on mm. the go so much so nobody was there and nobody could see enough of me to realize that that was happening yeah and so I suppose normal air quotes life is, is continuing because yeah. you're still keeping up your camogie training you're doing all the norm normal things yes but your life is far from normal no 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 you're just holding on you're just trying to take control of something and that's the only thing I had control of like yeah yeah what was your attitude towards food then? You said you loved being in the space when you were studying. Yeah, it, it, it's really, really hard to describe because I I love food and I love being around food and I love the food connects you to people so everybody can sit around a table and have laughter and have conversation around really good food. I love that element of it. But for me, I could sit there and I could be sweating with the thoughts of having to eat a meal in front of people. So it was... It, I don't know it, it was it's still really hard like I still have like I still tap into both of those kind of thoughts now and again but like yeah it's it's hard to understand it I still don't fully understand it mm-hmm. I'd love if you talk about your granny yeah so I was in my it was the 4th of October 2011 and my beloved granny uh, passed away so granny would have lived at the end of our house so we had a granny flat for her where I actually live now at the moment so she was another parent to us yeah she was like the so much part of our younger years and our life we spent every day with her she minded us she'd done everything for us she cooked us food brown bread she was out playing hurling with us she'd done absolutely everything like she was just a gas gas woman so she passed away um and I suppose everything that I was holding together as a person up until that point, I just, I couldn't hold it anymore. Mm. I let it all go. Um, when you're, was it 18? Yeah. You just don't know how to deal or cope with such a massive loss. And I certainly didn't know how to cope with it. I, I never, ever thought that she was going to go. Like, even though she had Alzheimer's and she was getting sick. And we, we knew, like everybody knew it was going to happen at some stage you still just don't expect it to happen mm. like you'd, you just don't expect her to go like you'd, you'd yeah. expect her to be there forever mm. and like it's obvious even talking about her now you're it's, it's it's bringing up a lot for you and it's and it's and it's difficult to talk about her um her name was was Mary but she was known as Doshi <laughs> and you have a special bar <laughs> in your bakery named after yeah. her yeah I actually haven't thought about changing the name of the bakery to Doshi and then oh. then we I decided when I invented my own bar yeah, yeah. the Doshi bar so it's so funny everyone comes into the cafe now they're like they're asking about Doshi and I'm, I hear her name oh, every wow. day and yeah. I'm just like oh this is lovely yeah. yeah yeah, and she's such a sweet too as well she would have loved it <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so so she was a massive loss yeah. massive massive but also the first yeah and 18 yeah you know it's still you're still so young yeah yeah and we're not taught about it and I know there's there's not much teaching you can do about loss at that age but there was it was kind of a <clears throat> three or four days of her funeral and uh she was gone and you were trying to 
figure out like what happens next but like I was straight back down to college on the Tuesday like mm-hmm. and it was like get this done assignments to be done this has to be done and I was like life goes on hold on does nobody realise what just happened mm-hmm. like that, oh, yeah. am I the only one here that understands that she's gone like what, what how am I supposed to just do assignments again like yeah and also like the the all you had going on yourself yeah. at the time you were already you were suffering yeah you were trapped in this very negative spiral that you know you were probably not even fully cognizant of at this stage so you were really vulnerable to begin with and then this this huge figure in your life it's been such a a positive influence is taken away from you and you're as you said you're not really taught how to grieve necessarily so it it was massive it was massive and my body and how I dealt with it was I felt the emotion for I'd say four or five days and then I just went numb okay I pushed it so far down I only took it up about two years ago to deal with is that all yeah I wasn't ready I was not ready yeah and and even dealing with it two years ago when I actually took the plunge into dealing with it it's still still hard to cope with you're still processing yeah still yeah completely what made you go there two years ago and think about it um I felt I was in a strong space uh-huh. to be able to dive into everything that happened and try and understand it. Good on you. And I really wanted to figure it all out. I wanted to understand why this happened, how it happened, how if how do I prevent that in the future if mm. if I need to, or how, what are the signs of it if I ever need to help somebody else to see that they're going through something similar, because you're like me going through it like it's a it's a complete and utter blur. Like I have three or four years there that I had to try and and still haven't fully figured it all out. And it's only been going through this over the last two years that we're actually putting parts of it back together. And I'm like, oh, I remember that now. Or uh, Mam would might might remember something that happened, and I don't remember it at all. Yeah. So we're just trying to figure it all mm. out. Okay, so you have you have put it in a in a box somewhere, but you've pushed that box away and you're going, yeah, I'm done with that now. I'm not dealing with that. Yeah. And we're back in college and we're getting our assignments done. But all the while, you know, your um, I suppose warped attitude to food and your body is is growing all the time. Yeah, I think I took more control. Because I was so numb everywhere else, my control thing now was this. Okay. This was the only thing I had control of. Everything else was gone. So I really, really took control of it. Um, I, I would have went online and looked at all of the pro-anorexia sites and just to make sure that I knew I was getting all the tips and I knew exactly what I was doing and how I was doing it and I was doing it the right way. Um, I was My eating had gone down to, I think I had one cup of peas a day what one cup of peas a day one cup of peas yeah whoa yeah and that was for a long time yeah I I passed out behind the wheel when I was driving on my way home from a Camogie game in Sligo because I had not properly yet for a couple of days which was a big like cop on to me at that stage mum wanted to keep me at home after that <laughs> that's very scary very so what, scary. did you like did you just not often came back to yourself Um, I nodded off wrote off my car and Whoa. Uh, it was when I I was driven home and brought home and that's when I think that was the time that mam really realised that this was not good yeah but then on the other side my family were grieving my family were going through this whole process as well so like mm. there's only so much like they I, I feel like even looking back now that like 
after that time after granny had passed away um, I everybody dealt it in their own ways but I, because I was st- very vulnerable beforehand I feel like I took so much of mom's attention away from my brother and sisters who probably needed it as well but it, like you know I suppose at the end of the day like if there's one person that needs a bit more attention I don't think anyone would begrudge a sibling yeah. or anyone you know at yeah. the end of the day you did you did need it yeah um, where do you come in the family? Because I know you have two sisters and a brother. Yeah, so I have two older sisters and one younger brother. And we're all like within four years. Of, like we're yeah, mom, we're all, yeah. Mom popped us all out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one after another. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, right, so you're at home. At this stage, are you are you being, are you kind of at home for a period of time? Um, I would have been home for Christmas time, I would say, around that time um, before I went back to college again. So, so not the, your, your your granny had passed away in that October and that October. Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it gets it gets darker. It gets a lot darker. Yeah, yeah. So when I was nineteen, um, I was uh, this continued on for quite a while. So like this um, dark place that I probably was. Um, but I was soothing myself. I was soothing myself. I used to. I remember used to. I used to soothe myself um, when I got anxiety around people or around food or around like that. And I used to say, I could. Ju- I just used to bring myself to this place where I could run away to. And I used to, I don't know why, but Cork was always the place I could get into my car, drive and not come back for a few days. Or I could just get away from everything. That was always my thought. I could get away from it. Um, But when I was 19 and yeah, I was around 19. I remember having a really, really bad panic attack in in college after a full day of, we were almost been four or eight hours. I can't remember the class that we'd done, but we were after cooking these like four course meals and I remember we were all sitting around to get the knives and forks out and taste them and like this panic rose in me I could not control it at all um, and I just ran out of the room and I remember thinking to myself it wasn't Cork I wanted to go to anymore I just did not want to be here anymore it, like that was my first time thinking this is not where I want to be at all I didn't want to come back and then those those thoughts unfortunately were very frequent then after those after the next couple of weeks okay yeah um yeah they were they were quite frequent and we but nobody nobody knew nobody I never spoke to anybody about it I just kind of I got up I still went to work every day I went to college every day I went and played my camogie I had a big smile on my face and I continued to do what I wanted to do every day. Like my life was so normal from the outside, like so normal. Like even when I tell people about it now or I talk about it now, they're like, what? No way, That not you, like no way. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, we just thought you lost a bit of weight. Like we you never even thought of that you were going through all of that. And that's really, when you say this as much as it's it's I can only begin to imagine how difficult it is because you're revisiting a very very tough time in your life but you're also by being so open and honest you're also really helping other people who listen to this whether they're worried about themselves or other people because a smile and a bubbly personality which you have can hide a multitude and can hide an ocean of pain yeah sometimes don't have a clue what's going on with people not a clue like Mm. not a clue and I have heard that a lot of people who kind of 
make the decision or make peace with this idea that I don't want to be here anymore, as you said, they kind of feel a lightness, like a weight is lifted. Oh, I, I remember it to this day. I can I can sit at the front porch of my house again. I can feel it, that decision that I made. And I just remember for the first time in weeks not being in the dark hole anymore. I remember being genuinely happy. Like I it was so it was it was so hard to feel that feeling because I was so numb for so long. But I remember genuinely being so happy sitting on my front porch and like the porch is tiny so my legs were literally I just remember holding onto my legs like I was literally curled up I could hear my my dad and my brother probably fighting in the background about something because they were up the yard and I just I just said I'm going to be with granny granny's going to look after me it's going to be fine like sure I'm just annoying people here like I am just wrecking everybody's head I'm putting everybody through torture I'm I'm this like granny will look after me and I, that was always my thing. Granny is going to look after me. She always, she always did. That was always where you went to. And I was, I was so happy. I was so happy. Whoa. For weeks, I was in the dungeons. Like, I had terrors going to bed every night. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I, I hated myself. I was scratching myself. I couldn't be in other people's company because I had anxiety. And then all of a sudden I had this light bulb moment and I was like, yeah. And were you, was your behaviour different then around family? Then you had this kind of, I suppose it sounds almost like a peace washed over you. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh God, I act on things fairly fast. There was, there was no change in my mind there. Right. And nobody knew that I had made that decision. Only me. I went down, I, I, I remember it so well. I remember standing up and walking down and I could feel the breeze in my face. And I just remember having like this smile on my face. I went into my sister's house, which is my granny's flat at the end of the house. And we must have had four or five cups of tea and gossiped all evening, which we wouldn't have done that for ages. Yeah. And I remember her thinking and saying, or she said it to me, or she said something about like, I think she gave me a hug and she was just like, that was so good or like I just remember it being like a really nice interaction we had with each other we had a lovely evening together we just had a lovely time and it wasn't tiptoed around me it was just yeah and was she was she thinking I wonder she's she's back she's back for herself that's, I thought she 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 must have felt <sighs> yeah. she knew she knew by me that I was happy in yeah. that moment in yeah. that time I don't think she would have thought the other she definitely didn't think that I was suicidal at that time she definitely knew that I just had this happiness and maybe I was just having a blip of it and she was absorbing it because we wouldn't have had it for so long yeah and I remember Connor my little nephew like playing and we were messing around with him for ages and at that stage I went back up to my room and I wrote a little letter to both of them and then I could hear mom shouting or something in the kitchen so I went up to mom and it was kind of later into the evening now um, and I went up to mom and I actually had a cup of tea and I think first I definitely ate something because I just remember everybody being happier in the table that I had sat there and drank a cup of tea and ate something with them so whether it was so it could have been a biscuit it could have been something I just remember eating something there and it was just like a, everyone kind of looked at each other and was like okay this is happening yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that night I had a shower and I got into my jammies and as 
had become a frequent occasion mum gets into the bed beside me and just gets me through the terrors part of the night so I can get myself to sleep I would only have normally slept for like two or three hours anyway before I woke up in terrors again and she had she'd put her arm around me and when she went off to go to sleep she thought I would sleep and then I just said a little prayer to God that they'd all be safe and I took an overdose of everything I had saved them for I I'd say I had like low, plenty of pingulars in the in the room. Yeah. And then I had got some earlier that day. And I told Granny that I was coming for her. And I was so happy. Were you? I was so happy. I didn't do it with the thoughts that Oh, feel sorry for her or I didn't think about what my family would have went through I honestly was just so happy and I just knew granny was going to look after me but obviously you're here yeah you're here and yeah. we're talking so yeah. so I woke up the next morning you woke up yeah I woke up the next morning um I was so ill and there was nothing in me to get sick so I was just puking yellow lumps <laughs> and I was really dizzy and I was really faint uh, I was very shaky I remember going up to the toilet and I was so weak I was so so weak I, I was so fragile I think that was probably the most brittle I felt ever and I don't know if that was because I was so annoyed with myself that I couldn't do that. Or it was because I had taken so much or it was because I was at rock bottom. Because I had went from a happy place and I was after plunging straight back down again. So yeah, so there wasn't a sense of relief that you woke up? No. No, it was a sense of you are so stupid you can't even kill yourself. Oh, stop. And then I just kept thinking all day, oh, I should have took two or three more. Or what should I have done? Like, wh- how did I do that so wrong? I was so annoyed with myself. And I remember all day just scratching my hand. Like, all day. Like, and I just sitting there and wondering, like, why? How did I, how did I mess that up? And my sister, Joan, came home from college that weekend and, like, everybody was at home and I was I was just like could not believe it I was like they should be at my funeral I should be with granny now and they're all just getting ready for camogie games or playing around and so did nobody know what it oh god no nobody knew nobody knew you never said it to anyone nobody I remember it was it wasn't the following day I, I think we had camogie training the following day but I didn't go I stayed in bed all that day most of the day I wasn't able for anybody that day and then the next day I think we had a camogie game or a tournament or something and I remember going to that and I remember being so brittle and weak on the pitch Can I ask about writing the letters mm-hmm. and 
how you felt it was it was happiness I was it was it was I was offloading how I felt onto them letters to make sure that they knew that that I was in a really good place and that I was happy and that this was the right thing and like me and granny were going to look after them that was the majority of the letters what it said it was that we were going to look after them and that they were all going to be okay Unfortunately, this isn't where this part of, the, of your story ends. No, no. So it was a, it may have been a few weeks later. I can't even remember the time frame of it, but um, obviously still very low. There was very little good days. Well, probably no good days at this stage. But um, I went out with my sister Orla. We went to Navan, which we would normally have with our friends, and it was the October bank holiday weekend. So it was the Sunday night of it. And at that stage, I'd be very anxious around people, like very, very anxious around people, which she would have known that I was, like everybody would have known that I was low. Um, And everybody wanted me, the Una back. Um, But that particular night, I just, I couldn't handle it. I wasn't even there that long. But there was too many people. There was it got overwhelmed. It got completely overwhelmed, and I had a really bad panic panic attack. So I ran back down the stairs out of the club or nightclub or pub, whatever we were in, and Orla followed me down. And I remember sitting on a really cold window ledge in Navan and just not being able to breathe. And she's sitting beside me, and the the I just remember seeing her face, and she was just like, "Oh God, oh God, this is actually happening to you." And I had to explain to her, I was like. Or like this is all the time. I hate myself so much. I can't be here anymore. I can't eat. I don't sleep. I don't do any. I literally cannot do this anymore. And she just she knelt down and held my two hands and she was like, We are going to get help. Yeah. So then we went home that night and the next morning, Orla packed me up into the car and off we went to A and E in Avon. And we were we got we got help that day. Um so we were we were waiting a very long time as you do yeah and we had the kindest kindest nurse like do you know when you go places like that and you, you nearly need to be with somebody that's really kind that you're able to open up and you could yeah. have got somebody completely different but I think that day I was so lucky mm. I was so lucky this lady I, don't, I can't even remember her name I don't know who she was but I just remember being able to explain to her how, how I was feel. feeling yeah and it could have been completely different I told her exactly how I was feeling and I told her about my suicide attempt and Orla was in the corner hearing this for the first time hearing this for the first time I think that was probably one of the hardest parts at all yeah so we we, that had started um, my medical help obviously at that day but also Orla had a lot to deal with then because she had realised how bad things were I actually am still not fully sure what she done. <laughs> I think she may have told people. Maybe mom. Mom would have been. Mom would have known. Ma- mothers know, always know. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So we got help from there. But one of one of the paths to help is is counselling. Mm. Is what they automatically I think do and put you towards is to try and talk it out, which I understand now, but. I was only ready eight years on to speak about I definitely wasn't ready two or three weeks on from that suicide attempt to speak about yeah um and I remember we got the appointment and 
it was all very it was very positive at home because there was something going to happen and we were going to take the steps and I was open to taking getting help at this stage mm. so we had we got the appointment it was for a trim and again we went over to the appointment and again had an absolutely wonderful lady I remember if I met her in the street I'd know her I, c- I could see her and she was so nice and so kind and she sat me down and we started talking but she spoke about the triggers she spoke about granny and she spoke about my eating disorder and how it would have started from younger days of being with granny so she wanted to understand those days so I was talking about granny a lot and I was telling her all about it and how amazing she was and it just it prodded me and it poked me and it brought me back to wanting to go back to granny and we spoke about a lot that day we and she helped me understand some things I do remember that but I just remember coming out and like I remember self-soothing on the way home in the car and my self-soothing you can see me now scratching yeah, my hand yeah. my self-soothing was always scratching my hands or scratching my face and a lot of the times that would have went to me bleeding or I, it, it was as far as I could get but I, I, I was fighting with myself I was like my thoughts were running I was saying, I was remembering back to that that happiness I had a few weeks previous of wanting to be with granny so much and going back to that. So I think in that time, I rushed my decision and just plunged into this, I need to get to granny, I need to get to granny. So I tried to I commit suicide again that evening when I came home, that one, I didn't wake, I don't, I didn't wake up at home. I woke up in the hospital from that one. So unfortunately, you 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 nearly did it this time. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was hoping that I wouldn't make the mistake twice. And I just remember waking up and seeing mum and dad in the hospital. Had you taken the same? It was the same kind of concoction of painkillers. More stronger ones I remember there was yeah a different concoction but when I woke up and seen mum and dad I think I actually just closed my eyes and went back to sleep and kind of thought it was all a dream and it's all such a blur like it's such a blur like I can't understand how our bodies can do it can just like block it out and like not remember any of it but when I speak to mum about it she remembers it yeah and can you talk about it yeah you okay yeah I'm okay take your time so from that day and from when I got released from hospital that time we started into rehab so I actually had lost control at this stage so I I wasn't in control anymore I didn't feel in control anymore whereas before it was always a conscious decision okay maybe I was not in the right mind to make the decision but it was a conscious decision to do these things Whereas now I was just like, 
I was not thinking clearly at all. I just, I was angry. I was annoyed. I was paranoid. I was, everybody was tiptoeing around me. I, I, I. Where was the anger going to? Was it anger at yourself? Oh, of myself completely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I hated myself. I despised myself. Like, I can't, I, like, I hated myself to a stage where the windows and the mirrors and everything in the house were covered. Like, I, if I seen it, it it could have triggered me. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. When you woke up in the hospital, I, I, like, uh, and again, I, I'm mindful of this is really, really hard and, you know, you're revisiting it, even if it is blurry and that's probably a part of the trauma that you, it's a self-protection thing that you're not able to access all these memories because it was so traumatic. But it wasn't a case of, you know, you were brought to hospital, you woke up, like, am I right in thinking you were gone, like you were unconscious for... Yeah. For some time. Some time, yeah. Yeah, I'm not even sure how long. I must I must figure that one out. But I'm not sure how long it was, but yeah. Yeah. And, like, did they, did they have to try and, and, you know, it was an overdose. Did they have to try and, and pump your stomach? Is that okay I'm, to ask? I'm, yeah, no, I'm pretty sure it was. I got my stomach pumped that night, yeah. 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 I just, I, I just was, I woke up and there was nothing. Like... I just there was nothing nothing but maybe I like I, I'm we're when I'm in my counseling at the moment like we're still trying to dive into that at the moment yeah. that's not coming back up for me that time that I'm kind of going off what mom remembers from that time I th- like there's so many points and parts of it that you think you were at rock bottom and when you think about but when you think back to it but I don't remember it I really don't remember it yeah and also at the end of the day I am not a trained psychotherapist, yeah. so I'm very mindful of of putting my foot in it or saying something inappropriate or causing harm to you or to anyone else listening who may be this. They, they've been drawn to this conversation for their own personal reasons. So I have to be very, very yeah. mindful of that, too. Yeah. Um, and respectful of your boundaries. I know yeah. you said you're you're very willing to talk and very open to oh, talk I'm about a it. Open book. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But see, I can speak about the first um suicide attempt very easily and freely because I know it was a decision that I made the second one I don't know if I made that decision really right. I don't think I did I was like like I was saying I was not in control at that time you, it sounds like you felt a bit overwhelmed after your session with the counsellor yeah completely yeah and as you said all you wanted to do was be with your granny I just, I just knew that was I knew that was my last time to have felt safe and happy with the thoughts of being with granny the last time so I think when I came out of the counselling session it was automatically bring yourself back to that happy space that I had a few weeks previous so she was your anchor in life yeah yeah wow. I still think she is yes yeah like there's a robin that sits out my ca- outside my cake decorating area every single morning and yeah. that's there and like mom keeps telling me to move out and I'm like no I want to stay in granny's house <laughs> yeah do, I you just, f- do you feel her with yeah, you yeah she's with me yeah 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 definitely and now that is is that a different feeling to the one you had years ago where it's I want to be with her I'm going to bring myself to her or is it like she's here with me and I'm living in the world now yeah I definitely don't want to be with her now I want her to be where she is right now and she's pushing me on she's looking at she's with me. you she's with in me. this world yeah in yeah, spirit yeah. 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 yeah 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 fantastic yeah but like as you said from getting from there so like she, she was you were 18 when she passed away 
your attempts at ending your life were at the age of 1920. Yeah. And now you're 29. 29, yeah. So it hasn't happened overnight that you have. And, and actually, it probably goes for your business as well. People sometimes think, oh, they're an overnight success. Yeah. You have had your shop for seven years. Yeah. And yet in the since the pandemic, you really have noticed an explosion in in terms of of how the business is going. Mm-hmm. But also on a personal level, it's only in the last two years that you're also it's amazing, actually, isn't it? It's in the same time frame that your business is, is improving and really f- thriving that you're also now in a much better place on a personal level. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It all happens at once. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. So now you're getting the help and you're still processing and working through. Mm-hmm. But, you know, how do you go from not wanting to be here anymore to opening up your shop seven years ago? Like, how does that happen when you go into rehab and you're on the path to recovery? What was what was that um, journey like for you? So my rehab um, was kind of. Again, don't remember much of it. Only remember that the nurses coming to the house every single day. Okay. They came every day. They administered my medication. They gave me. So you um, had to be monitored. Yeah, monitored all the time. Then I was in for check-ins, moods, levels, all that. That went on for weeks, months, maybe. Um, I went back to work at the time. I was working in Nev McGuire's restaurant in Black Line. Oh, fab, yeah. So I obviously begged to go back I was like please let me go back please let me go back so mom was in contact with them and she was like she's a couple of weeks on medication and she's doing really well My the only thing throughout this whole process this the, all of these years was that never changed was my love for work I was like a sponge for absorbing when I went into a kitchen I just loved it I wanted to be there I felt comfortable there I was happy there I just felt like myself I didn't think about anything else only what I wanted to learn so so you're, we know you now as Una Leonard Baker yeah but when you were in the kitchen were you oh no I wasn't I wasn't in the pastry section you were you not <laughs> no 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 I was always kind of either on meats or on pass or 
like anything else but bacon but the whole idea of this is when you're 17, 18, 19 you don't want to be on the pastry section because you're the last one out at night <laughs> <laughs> let's call a spade a spade here <laughs> ah fantastic you're giving me flashbacks of my waitressing days yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> are you waiting for the last person and they're like yeah we'll have dessert and I'm like really table five are taking their time with they ever feckin' get the dessert order in <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, so I was always trying to dodge that area, but <laughs> I I did get put on it when I was off in Black Line. I was on this, when I finished off. I was on the dessert section, which I absolutely loved. So, so um, is that what happened? Did it click then? Wait a second. There's something in this dessert baking crack. No, for me. no, no. That no, didn't, that didn't click there. I did enjoy it, but like that, it was still part of the kitchen experience, and it was okay. working as a team, and it was like just learning loads of different techniques and everything. So we were up there, um, and then. I come home I, I was still very fragile up there okay very very fragile and I was still just eating my bowl of peas and it was actually oh, you were still only oh yeah still only making my bowl of peas so at the t- the nurses had still um so when how are you I, I'm not it might sound like a really ignorant thing to say but how are you actually surviving if you're only eating mm. that many calories how are you getting are you getting nourishment in other ways no, no. I actually don't know how I survived I really don't know but like wow. yeah I don't know how I survived so I was eating my bowl of peas but at the time the nurses had split the bowl so this was a big thing for me that I was actually going to eat twice twice a day instead of once a day so they they showed me that it was physically the same amount of food but they were splitting it into two bowls right so then I, I do remember like little bits of chicken being added in and like they, they were they were building up slowly but just even to get my mindset around actually eating twice a day instead of just once a day was a big thing for me but when I was on my way back up to Black Line um, after we had decided it was ready for me to go back up um, I remember I, I don't know what came over me but I had a massive anxiety attack in the car on the way up I remember pulling in um, it must have been Daryl Lynn somewhere along them lines on the way up it was outside an agricultural machinery thing and having a full on panic attack and I rang mam straight away she had hid two little volumes in somewhere that I could have if this did happen okay yeah and she said she was on her way into mass and she just looked at her phone and she'd never bring her phone with her she just knew and she just prayed and she was like please god make sure it's okay and she said she when she got off the phone to me that day she drove straight home she packed a bag head to Derry Lynn or head to Black Line and she didn't come home until I came home that Christmas yeah she said her plan was to make sure that I was coming home safe so she stayed up with me she held me to sleep every night and made sure I was taking my medication and cooked me my bowl of peas every day and she, they were actually brilliant to her up there because we all got staff meals and everything so she used to come up and have my staff meal and I'd have the bowl of peas <laughs> they were so good to her I cannot tell you how amazing they were to her oh she she was just idolised up there like so mm. yeah so and then, your bond is so obvious like yeah. anyone even who follows your Instagram page your, your mom sometimes uh, pops up oh, and she's hilarious. it's obvious <laughs> that you guys have great crack together yeah, too yeah 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 she's a funny woman yeah yeah so did you notice an improvement did she notice an improvement was it slow how how what are we talking it was very slow like yeah. very slow like that time um, getting back into work at that time was really good for me I thought I felt okay I was taking mum away from home it was a couple of weeks up to Christmas like um, 
I, I feel guilty for that now when I look back. But for me, I needed to get back into the kitchen because that's where I felt comfortable. But we had made the decision that once that Christmas came, Christmas Eve, we finished up work there. I went home with mom and I wasn't going to come back to work. So my plan then was to stay at home and was to be at home and get myself right. I wasn't even going to go back to college. I took a year out or I took a semester out to look after myself. And how did you feel about that? Um... I knew it was the right thing okay. uh, from pleads from my family for to get me back. I knew that was the right thing. And I think that I don't know. I think I wanted it myself. I think I wanted to be I think I, I didn't want to be in the dumps anymore. I think I wanted to help myself a little bit, but I don't know how obvious that was because I was still probably very depressed and um, my eating disorder was very obvious at the time as well. But I think I did. I think I wanted help. Yeah, and you tried counselling, and at the time, you know, the counsellor was doing their best, and but you weren't ready to hear certain things, or the timing of it might have been just a bit off. Um, was was therapy brought in at this stage? No, oh no, 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 no. It was medication only. There was no therapy up until two or three years ago until I decided. And it was that was that your decision, or was that advice from other people that you're just you're not ready for it yet? Um, I think it was a matter of getting me out of the suicidal levels okay. before we even went on to the next level. Yeah, so, let's not even look at that right Yeah, now. so I remember like when we used to, once a week, we used to go in for our checkups in the rehab clinic after the nurse had come all week and we would, oh no, they were so silly. Like it was just ticking a box. How's your mood? One to five, how's this? One to five, how's this? Okay, one to five, okay. one to five. And I was just like, tick, 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 tick. <laughs> but that was, that was it. That was the system. Like, and it was once my levels were kind of up, we'd move on to the next plan. Mm. Yeah, but so are you saying that in a sense that you could you could um, I mean you could cheat the system? Oh, you hundred percent. You're just ticking boxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah, okay. But like my therapy came then when I was at home, so I was at home and that was I came home in the December, so we finished up in December. My nephew's birthday was the second of second two thousand or yeah second of second second of February, and his little face asking for a John Deere tractor cake was me going okay. I'll give it a go. So that's when I started baking. Wow. That's, so we, we've, I used to actually have to get up and do something. So yeah. now this is a cake that I started in January, prepping, organizing, looking up books, reading things, looking at YouTube videos, figuring out how I was going to do it. Where do I even buy fondant? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even have a rolling pin at this stage. And I was like, okay, I'm going to make this cake. <laughs> so that was where that all happened. So I actually had a perk. I got stuck into it. I started, uh, I met his cake then on the 2nd of, first the 2nd of February. Yeah. And then... How did it turn out? Oh, from now, terrible. But when I back then, it was unreal. It could have took off into the field, no bother at all. Yeah. It was glass. <laughs> <laughs> it was And I'm sure he was delighted. Oh, That's a pretty epic cake. Yeah, it was deadly. It was deadly. Yeah. But I remember staying up until three or four o'clock in the morning for three mornings, three nights in a row, just making this cake and oh, putting so much detail yeah, into it. Yeah, yeah. Like it was... Do I, you have photos of the cake? I do, yeah. I'll show you the photos. Oh, I'd love to see one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we, we I started making that cake and then a neighbour would ask me to make another cake. And I'd be like, oh, okay. Okay. And then I'd be like, do you know what? I'll try and make cupcakes. Now, most of them would be, you'd have to bin them. Like, they were terrible. But my thing was, I would make them. Like, dad would come in from work. My brother would come in. My mom would come in. Orla would come up. And everyone would be sitting around the table. I would actually be staring at them, eating them. And I'm like, well, well, what do you think? Yeah. And they'd be like, 
Yeah, that's really nice. And it was all about sweet things. It was it was just do you know what it was? It was the creative side of things. I didn't realise yeah. that I, I had that creative side of things where um I could see it differently. Like so mm. I wanted to I wanted to paint onto the cakes. I wanted to I'd have an idea of how I was going to make something. Or somebody would show me a picture of something, I'd be like, Oh, I can make that into a cake, no water at all. And I would like I probably couldn't. Like I know I definitely couldn't. But I'd I'd be just playing around with like bits of fondant and I'd be making designs or making little characters or now they didn't turn out like they looked like anything. I'm gonna show you a few of the pictures and you're gonna laugh, <laughs> laugh at them. But in my head they looked different and everyone told me they were amazing. So I was like, cheers guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just keep doing this because look at it's working out. So. And I wonder was it a case of your creativity wasn't being used before? Yeah. It, it, like it sounds like you were in now in a in a in a very freeing place of letting your imagination run and, oh, and just going with it yeah which was amazing for me but not so much ma'am because I was on her kitchen table okay and when my imagination <laughs> flows and my creative flows I'm like it was like a bombsite <laughs> an absolute bombsite so finally we had started fighting again and I was like oh this is normal okay <laughs> people had stopped tiptoeing around yeah. me because I was making a mess and I was actually starting to do things and you know what imagine like bumping into your friends and like do you know when you know somebody is not like being like oh god oh god what do I say to her they were like well that cake last week was class that oh, you bought yeah, me and it was it, it, do you know what I was able to talk to people again so that social anxiety of like bumping into people and that that was le- leaving me as well well not completely yeah. now don't like I'd say I probably had about one good day a month but I was always holding on to that month and then next month I might have three good days yes like, but you were always holding on to them good days like and at this stage you're still we're still talking like you're you're, you're probably around 20 are you yeah yeah yeah, 20. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so it's not for another two years before you open the doors yeah so 20 then 21 I registered my first business which was Una's Cakes Creations yeah I know I just went wild with that name but anyway <laughs> <laughs> so that was uh, I got my um, I got certified to do like yeah. uh, cakes from home and stuff like that yeah, so cool. that was my first cake business and then I knew that I wanted to do it I knew I loved to do it I knew I had to do something yeah and I didn't plan on opening a bakery I was actually in Mullingar why was I in Mullingar that day I still don't know why I was in Mullingar right. but I had worked in Mullingar previous so I was, I was worked in a restaurant in Mullingar when I was 18 no 17 18 yeah and I was on that street Mount Street and I was walking up and I was looking around and going she's just changing off a lot and I just remember walking past this shop and had a massive big window and there was a little cafe room inside it and it had like a sign of A4 print on the window and it said turnkey 750 euro a month and I was like Hmm, I'm going to walk in here and see what I did. I walked into that shop and I had this overwhelming feeling. I, I cannot describe it to you, but I knew I was in the right place at the right time. Wow. I don't know. I, I can't describe it. I mm. literally cannot describe it. But I, rem- I the smile didn't leave my face. I had no intentions of opening a bakery, by the way. <laughs> I just knew I couldn't keep wrecking mom's house. Like. <laughs> yeah. So I went in there and the, the man came out and I spoke to him and he gave me the landlady's number and then I was like, I'm meeting the landlady. So I rang her, met, organized a meeting with her, went over the next day. Was it the next day or later that day? Signed. No, it was the next day because it was Connor's the second of the second. So it was Connor's birthday. Signed the lease. And there we had it. We have a bakery. Wow. And mom was looking at me going, what are you going to do? I was like, I don't know. What am I going to do? <laughs> I was like, fuck it. Sure, yeah. I have something to get up for every day, don't I? Yeah. 
So it was it, like, with no plan. I only got actually a business plan together about two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> the plan was to get up every day and do something that you love to do. Yeah. And I knew it was going to be my happy space. You had such a positive focus. Yeah. Yeah, that was it. It was literally the plan was always just to make cakes. And with every day that passed, did you feel like you were you were getting stronger at this point? Like, where is your eating disorder at? Eating disorder um, was improving as such as I was eating, but my mentality towards it was not improving. As in, like, I always was um, thinking about it, worrying about it. Um, I always had this conscious thought about myself. And do you know what? When things get tough now, I still kind of slip back into okay, it. Okay. Now, I don't slip back into an eating disorder, but I do sometimes like have thoughts and I'm like, no, I know what they Negative are now. Yeah. When you looked in the mirror, what did you see at this point? I didn't look in the mirror. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so you still avoided back. your yeah. reflection. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So you're, you're feeling positive and excited and this is the right path for me and I love to bake and I'm just going to keep trucking here and do this and I'm going to open a business. But behind it all, you're still fighting that voice in your head yeah. that's telling you negative things. Yeah, yeah. But right. also on the other side of things, I had this overwhelming feeling of I've already hit rock bottom. Like there is literally only one place I can go. Mm. And that and you were excited about this. Oh. So this is this is all stuff that leads to living life, yeah. being alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is positive. Yeah, this yeah. Is really positive. Oh, like and uh, when I was opening that shop, I was like telling mom and dad, I was like, oh, I'm going to have 10 shops in the next couple of years. Like I was like, good on you. <laughs> I was like pure, like hitting, yeah. like reaching for the stars. Let's like, go for it. Yeah, there was no stopping me at that stage. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I couldn't get 10 customers in the door, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Come here, what was it like in the early days? Oh, what was it like in the early days? Oh my God. <laughs> like when you put a 22 year old girl that looks like, she's about 15 into a, a business to run and you're trying to get credit you're trying to open up bank accounts you're trying to figure out how to run a business that you've never run before I've never actually ran in, I never worked in a cafe before <laughs> okay. so I didn't know what I was doing it was a struggle mm. from day one it was a struggle but I think I laughed a good bit of it off and now it, it, when I look back on it I'm like I don't blame them I wouldn't have given me credit at the time. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember like getting orders in like and having to pay out in cash. Like they wouldn't give me direct debits or anything right, like that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then like at, if I used to hope like every day, I'd be like, if I get five customers today and six tomorrow, like wouldn't that be like even one step further? Like I used to be always like nearly counting my customers. I remember like one day breaking 65 euro, like that was what come in in the till. And I remember it was over 50 euro and be like, yes. Oh my God, we're doing so well. Yeah. <laughs> and remember the day we broke a hundred euro, like someone, like we had spent it or we'd taken in a hundred euro. And I, champagne. Oh, literally. <laughs> I was like, this, we're going places. We are really going places, guys. And that was probably like five or six weeks in. Like we were still not like, yeah. you, you'd be lucky if you had two or three customers. Right. Yeah. But oh. you were in a recession at the time. Of so course. Coming out of a recession. Yeah. Well. Yeah. But and look, as you said, you're only 22. I mean, no. it's fantastic what you were doing. But at I such was a young never age. money, money from all of it. I never cared what came in in the till. Like I could have actually not even done a till reading for a few days because it mm. just didn't bother me. I was like literally making cakes. Whatever I sold, if I had enough money to go down and buy the ingredients for the cake that was on order, I would. And going from where you came from, as you said, like this was a huge progression. Yeah. And this is a positive thing in yeah. your life. Yeah. 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 Um, then I mean you know what you've already told us is is the kind of stuff that stops people in their tracks and you know you've had so much to deal with but then I suppose two years into the business there's another bombshell 
when you're when your mom is given a diagnosis yeah. of cancer. Yeah. But I also still feel like somebody was looking down on us and I know I don't know how to describe this without because we definitely didn't want mom to have a diagnosis of cancer of at course, all. Yeah. But I had actually made the decision um it was I had went to I went traveled to Vietnam in the January um with my partner at the time own we had traveled and we had made the decision that the following January no the January before mom's diagnosis so okay. that January yeah so um we had made the decision that the business was not working like there was no way we could keep doing this paying rent we were living together like he was paying some of my bills for me like it, it, financially it just didn't work but I was like what else am I going to do like this is what I do but we were kind of like no it, it can't it can't continue anymore it was just too much um, and then we were like okay we'll we'll make a plan we'll finish out the camogie and hurling year and in September all of our friends were kind of moving to Australia and America and they were travelling and we were at that age like we wanted to do a bit of it as well Yeah. so I had my heart set on Australia and I had contacted three or four bakeries over there and I was like oh I'm definitely going to get in there like I can do it I know I can do it and I'll, I'll be able to train over there and work over there and do my patisserie over there so we actually Owen was in America at the time he was working so we, in the April we went out to I went out to San Francisco to meet him and it was I think it was Easter Saturday or Easter Sunday I rang home and I got off the phone call and I just said to him I was like there's something going on at home mm. and he was like what no you're mad go on you go go on you're fine you're grand and I was like no honestly there's something going on at home and I felt sick for the whole rest of the trip and I got home and my mom and my sister picked me up from the airport and like I was like a little bit late and do you know the way your mother gets so annoyed with you when you're late and you're not in the right place at the wrong time do you know when you're doing like all the dodgy like drop, and, drop off and pick ups in the airport that you're not meant to do yeah 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 you're anxious they're looking at they're you going yeah. would she he ever hurry up because I can't stay here forever but there was none of that so I was like what's going on so I went into the yeah, car okay. and I was like I had four wedding cakes I think in two days that when I got home so they never said that to me and it was that Sunday you're like what's yeah. going on here but I knew there was something going on Okay. And that Sunday, Mom had said that she had got diagnosed with stage mm. two breast cancer. Okay. I was like, oh no, oh no, oh no. You, like you don't know how to. Again, you don't know how to deal with. It. You don't know not. how to cope no. with. It. You're just devastated. You're driving into work every day, and you cry the whole way in. You go to work. You do what you have to do, and on the way home, you cry the whole way home, and that's it. And it's that. It's that part of like the diagnosis where you you don't know what the next step is yeah. and I think when you're given the next step you're kind of like oh okay this is what's going to happen yeah. but it's the in between of not knowing what's going to happen next so we had um, there was a couple of weeks then before she was going in for her her schedule as such we were told so we were going into Professor Cronin um, for her schedule and it was myself and my auntie that were going in with her and we had our diaries ready and we were ready for this year plan so it was going to be surgery chemo and maybe radiation and then she would have been fine yeah that's what we were told anyway but we had this sickly feeling again this sickly feeling come up and we just knew and me and mom had kind of had a little bit of a talk about it we had went to Tullamore a week before and we were we both spoke and both kind of said that we just weren't sure about this so we went in that day and the cancer had spread to four different areas with five different tumours and she'd got re-diagnosed with stage four inflammatory cancer so that was another shock yeah and hard to take in 
and hard to understand because we didn't know what it was and there's not much research in this type of cancer so this cancer is like something that can pop up but when it comes up it it can grow it's completely separate different to one that had already grown so there's no treatment for it so they they have to act fast and figure out what it is so they can treat it every time so it's popped up I think three or four times now in the last five years and in the so you say that last five years so first it was a stage two diagnosis and then this was stage four four yeah and like so I've seen I've seen your mom on, on your on your page yeah yeah and I suppose this maybe like and I'm somebody who has been through cancer myself yes. so I don't mean to come across ignorant but no. you, like, you'd never know she looks like she's, oh, she's flying class. it she is flying it yeah <laughs> she is like um, like if you could like burst her she's just positive yeah. like she's literally a <laughs> she is like well a you didn't lick it off a stone as, as they say yeah is that where you get your glittering personality uh, I don't know maybe I'm hanging out with her too much but like she is li- like she's class she's one of those people that you want to be around yeah like she is unbelievable like even when she goes up into the ward up to level seven like they are all like well Pauline like she will sit there and have the chats with anybody yeah and like yeah. she just I don't know I think she brings it to a room when she comes into it like so yeah I think she brings that to with her cancer diagnosis as well she's like I didn't choose to have cancer it chose to come to me like I'm not I'm getting on my life yeah 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 brilliant yeah fair place I know she's great she's, attitude she's, to she's, have she's, oh, unbelievable but obviously like she probably does have her down there of course up and down and treatment yeah. and, and yeah. where is she at at the moment so she's she's gets treatment every three weeks at the moment okay um, and then she's all of her scans and everything in between yeah. but at the moment there is no movement everything and no movement is good no movement is good we'll movement. take it yeah so just before lockdown she had she had a, she had a surgery in the February and then she had a couple of months of really intense chemo and then she would surgery again in October and then she had like a couple of weeks of radiation and then she was given that she was told there a couple of months ago now that she can take a break for a oh, while great so, great yeah. great oh, yeah. fantastic yeah. delighted to hear that yeah it's great so but at the, at the stage of being told the first time you you know as you said you were like oh, right we just need to park the business because anyway it's not really working yes. and I'm going to just kind of put my energy into ma'am yeah. and and we need to make sure that she's all right yeah but then you realized well wait a second actually maybe i need to re- revisit the business idea so i i did i like the business at that stage the minute that we had we were told that mom was diagnosed i was like i haven't even taught of australia since i didn't think of anything else like my main thing that was just was, wiped away wiped away gone and, and it's gone now Go, forever gone yeah no i don't want to do it i have no interest in doing it i yeah. wouldn't mind going over and traveling and seeing the world and stuff like that but no this is my main focus then was business and mom. So mm. we were working on both those things. And do you know what? If someone told you as a really, really busy, like 20, what was I, four or five year old, that you need to take a day off a week to spend with your mother, you'd be like, no, I'm not doing that. I actually had the opportunity to do that. And that's yeah. how I seen it. Yeah. And I still see it like that. I'm like, I would not take a Monday off to spend a full day with mom and get to know her and like spend that precious time with her. If yes. she didn't get diagnosed. Yeah, yeah. And I, I would I we would have lost, like, not lost, but like that would have been years of just being so busy, not being able to put the time and effort into it. And that's how I see it. Isn't that the unexpected gift that sometimes a diagnosis like a like a cancer or something else yeah. can, can bring to yeah. someone yeah. Or, or, or a family? Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's how I look at it. I see it those days as I get to do that. And even we went up yesterday to bring our treatment and I had... A million and one things to do and it was the first time in five years that I literally went 
oh, okay, 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 okay. I just need to park all of that stuff. I get to bring mom up to her treatment. The fact that we're still here five years on. Yeah. And we get to do it. And she was told that, like, she was going on a trial treatment that might not work and that we're going to do our best, but we don't know. Yeah. A couple of years ago that we still get to do this. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And as you said, like, she held you at night while you were experiencing your night terrors. Now there's an element of you being able to be there for her. Yeah. 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 It's gorgeous. Yeah. And asking her questions. I don't know if many people do this. I've, I know so much about mom, about her early years, about her teenage years, about the crap she went through and about her dad passing away and how she felt and what it was like for her. And I just like find like those days I get to actually get to know her so much better than I ever would have because it's a really good message yeah it's really like as often we don't we don't like we're you know so kind of um, consumed by by the runnings of a normal day to day life that yeah. you're just you're trucking along but you don't sometimes ask about yeah, the person exactly and like even love stories I'm like who was your first boyfriend like, <laughs> and I'm you're like, getting all the gossip oh I get all the gossip and I'm like tell me all about them all the nights in the beehive and all the <laughs> trips that they took and I'm like tell me all about that I want to know every detail I know every detail of her wedding day every detail down to the flowers she used the colours of this the colours of that how she planned it like I, ha- I have oh, so, yeah. yeah yeah so I think they're a blessing in disguise, disguise those days yeah 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 and again, back to your why then again, now it's kind of mushroomed into a different thing. Yes. So your why wasn't just, OK, this is, you know, the baking is good for me. It's a positive focus. Yeah, it was it was, a, it was a matter of like, get your shit together now because yeah. this you need this more than you want this. Yeah. You need to be here. You need to make this work because this is where you're comfortable. This is where you're excelling. This is where you're happy. And like, there's a lot of shit going on out there and you need to be there for mom as well. But if you want to be here, you need to put your head down and figure out how you're going to do it. So my first plan I came up with was like, if I get one wedding cake a month, that'll pay for the rent or I'll pay a yes. bit of the rent or yeah. two wedding cakes a month. I think I, that was my plan. So I went in to work a couple of weeks later. I made five or six dummy wedding cakes and just kept posting them online. Okay. And then I was like doing open days. I was welcoming everyone in. I was putting a ton of cake out and I'm like, eat all the cake. Just book with me. Right. Yes. And, yeah. it, and it worked. It worked. It worked. Yeah. I was doing like 120 weddings the following year. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, it really did work. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. come here. What, what is the situation at now? Because I take it you're not, you're not a solo operation. No, I'm not. So I know I have a massive, fantastic team in there. Massive being, it's more than just me. So we have yeah. like, um, we have a kitchen team. We have our online team. We have our, our front of house team we have our office team and then we have our behind the scenes team like so yeah. there is a good few people knocking around there yeah <laughs> so again now you, you know I'm talking to you today and you're 29 and yeah. in the last two years have been massive on a personal level and a professional level so again now where are you where are you at now in terms of of having a, a disordered relationship with food and all the rest you told me this morning anyway that you had turkey turkey, turkey burgers, burgers for brekkie <laughs> I was like what would you have in a normal morning he was like turkey burgers yeah. so you're you're very conscious of what you eat you eat very well very healthy I, I do I eat quite healthy but I eat quite healthy because I'm, I am I train quite a bit so because I would have thought if you were working in a bakery that the temptation 
to oh. eat all the treats. Oh yeah, no, no, I don't go. A, I probably don't go a day without eating a treat as well. But okay. like, I'm very much so balanced at the moment. So Great. I'm able for Brilliant. that. Brilliant. Don't get me wrong. There's some days I go in there and we're like tre- testing out new recipes, and I'm like, yep, a bit of everything. But I suppose if you're around sweet things all the time, it doesn't become like so. If somebody was fresh into a bakery environment who had never maybe been around sweet things yeah, like they're, that, they're, they want to try like, everything. I want to try it all. Whereas it's 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 yeah, your you, business. Yeah. You're used to it. Yeah. Well, you can't really take a chunk out of someone's cake. Like. <laughs> Wouldn't really be good for business. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so you have a really, as you said, balance. That's what it's all about. Yeah, yeah, but that's not to say that I don't have my bad days. Like I remember okay. when COVID hit, and I had lost control. I didn't know what was happening. There was no supports put in. I was an emotional wreck. I was like, "What am I going to do? What am I going to do?" And I went back to that control thing again straight away with food. Okay. So it 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 does like creep in and. I do probably need to look into it a little bit more and deal with it a little bit more, but it's definitely there. Like there is definitely that like probably being a bit over healthy sometimes. And I do eat turkey burgers in the morning, but that's because I don't like breakfast food. Okay. <laughs> I don't like. You're not I, a fan of porridge. No, I no, no nothing along those lines. I would eat my dinner like if I was making dinner for breakfast the next morning. Like, oh, right. yeah, I'm just one of those people. Doesn't yeah, matter what yeah, I eat, yeah, what yeah. time of the day. I'm yeah. such a foodie, so I eat anything, anytime. And obviously, another really positive focus in your life has been sport. Has been camogie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like throughout the whole lot. Like so that, you kept it going the whole time. The whole time. Yeah. Yeah. I and just, you've training I, later. I've training later. Yeah, I'm back down to. How often era. do you train? I train probably about five to six times a week. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So and either what's your on next the match? Or not. Um, who are we playing next? Oh, we're playing, we're playing Leash this weekend, and okay. then we're at the All Ireland quarterfinals the following weekend. Mighty stuff. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, it's very exciting. So here we are in 2022, mm-hmm. and you have your own book out. <laughs> Congratulations! Called Sweet Therapy: The Joy of Baking. And it's it's a it's a it's a cookery book. It's a it's a book about baking, but it's it's slightly different because again, your story is so powerful. Yeah, it's a book about hope, I think. Yeah. And baking, a bit of both. Yeah, and how baking became a part of your recovery and it was exactly. a savior to you. Yeah. yeah. I still like even when you say it, I'm like, oh yeah, that's a book I actually have. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've never I had this is my first interview, so I'm kind of like, oh wow, it's actually there. It's yes. <laughs> yeah. It's real. Yeah. And in the book, you share your own story, but you also kind of go through, which I love. It's kind of like you you explain everything from what you need when it comes to baking, mm-hmm. the ingredients, why you like them, you know, how you use them, because they often speak about baking being a science. It's yes. very, it's very, you can't mess around. Like I'm a bit of a, when I'm making my food, it's a spice here, yes. a bit of this there. I'll just lash it all in, hope for the best. <laughs> you can't do that when yeah. it comes to baking a cake. Meet your sister. I'm the exact same as that. I okay. love to do that. So that's why with the book, I kept everything really simple. And right. you can, like, if you're making one of the brownies, you can play around with recipes. You can, like, change it up, like, and throw something different in if you like a flavor. So but we to- can recreate the gorgeous brownies or bars or cakes that we get yes, yeah. in your and bakery. And the doughy bars are in there as well. Oh, fat. <laughs> Are you nervous about revealing your secrets? No, not at all. I'm just nervous about how people make them. I'm like, okay. Because <laughs> I'm like, I make them one way and I'm like, because brownies well, As are, in you don't want them to mess it up? No, well, well, of course not. But like brownies are really hard to understand how when to take out of the oven. Like they're meant to come out when they're a little bit wibbly, wobbly, like oh, in the right, center. Okay. So will you be reviewing then if people are tagging you, be like, I'm not going to share. Yeah, that. I'm going to be like, I'm, it takes about 10 minutes later, earlier. Yeah, or, uh, <laughs> <delete>. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, she'll be nice. She'll yeah. be nice. No, I have it very well. Like, I think that I am very clear on the parts that people normally yeah. get a bit worried about when they're baking. So I, I'm clear on that. So hopefully, hopefully. So your granny Doty would have been the woman for the sweet treats back in the day. Yeah. And, um, you know, would have loved to have given you all the, the yummy things. How would she, how would she feel about you looking at you now? What do you think she would say to you today knowing what you've come through what you've achieved and where you're at now she wasn't a woman for words <laughs> yeah I think I think granny would have spoke to me through food and probably just put on a, a, a fresh brown bread and a cup of tea and just sat there like and had that like that's she never she wouldn't have been a great woman for words so she would have just gave you her time and yeah just been and vibe atmosphere yeah yeah yeah, that was it yeah yeah lovely yeah lovely una it's been amazing to talk to you i have been um like as you saw with me there it was (laughs) it was impossible not to be bawling when you were speaking it's uh your your story is incredibly powerful um you've got such a gorgeous lightness a touch about you but there's such depth to your personality and you've been through so much but i'm so delighted to, to see you doing so well obviously it's fantastic to see your business thriving but what's more important that you on a personal level that you're doing doing really really good and continued healing and recovery the whole time and I'm going to have to book in with you to make a cake because I know if I don't I'll probably be on a waiting list for the next five years so can we chat after this yes 100% cake coming up thanks a million the book is Sweet Therapy The Joy of Baking and it's out now and all good bookshops are available online thanks a million thank you for having me you're amazing. Wow, 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 wow. How are you hey. feeling? I feel like I'm after doing therapy. <laughs> well, that was one of the most moving conversations I have ever had. And I'm so grateful to Una for her willingness to speak about such difficult times in her life. And I know she's going to help so many people who listen. This has been Ready to Be Real. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Market.